bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 175 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host Corinne Nidja and this week on the show we have Amanda Freeman. And Amanda also lives nearby me here in the hills, which is lovely. And we met in person a couple of weeks ago and I was really excited to invite her on the show to share her story. So Amanda helps smart, soul-led female entrepreneurs master their energy, helping them to overcome overwhelm, self-sabotage and burnout and make a powerful impact in the world with their work. I'm reading directly off her bio. I have heard so many women talk about how much they benefit from working with Amanda. Amanda combines the practical with the energetic and facilitates powerful transformation for her clients so they can show up and be successful, sustainable, and socially conscious in life and business. Amanda is a Reiki master teacher, energy coach, EFT master trainer, sacred circle facilitator, and intuitive business owner. Plus, she is a regular guest speaker on podcasts like this one and women in business events. When she's not holding space for her clients, you'll find her at home with her family among the trees in Melbourne, walking in the forest, swimming, drinking herbal tea with chocolate, of course, and learning all things healing, spirituality, conscious business and personal growth. So as you can see, she's right up my alley. She's right up my alley. And I'm sure she's up many of your alleys too, if you've been following this podcast for a while. Amanda is just person that you feel like you can be yourself and go to with your business queries or when you want to you know, be held and supported and nurtured. She's got such a nurturing, warm energy and has been doing this work for, you know, 20 years. Amanda, I'm sorry if I'm, I've gone too long, around she's been doing this work for around 20 years, you know, as a healer, as a Reiki master and teacher and her work is truly transformational and I have seen and heard from so many women who've gotten such great results for themselves and their business and clarity and healing from working with Amanda. So I'm very excited to have her on the show and share her story with you all. A bit of an update from me. In the last month I've been assisting in hypnosis trainings and NLP trainings and a training called Secret of Creating Your Future, which is a which is a trademark of the Tad James Company. So assisting in these trainings and learning from these people and learning deeper how to teach timeline therapy and those types of beautiful modalities that I focused so intensely on last year during lockdown. So this year it's been about me now building myself and the work that I'm doing to run those courses myself, teaching people NLP, teaching people who want to be NLP practitioners, coaches, people who want to learn how to do timeline therapy with their clients, how to do hypnosis with their clients. So that's something that I'm really, really, really excited to do. However, also alongside teaching people how to become Reiki practitioners that's all coming under the umbrella of the Institute of Integrative Coaching, which 
I'm in the process of building and beginning this year. However, a little stumbling block, a little curveball has been put in the mix. And so my dad, he has been diagnosed last October during lockdown with an aggressive T-cell lymphoma and that has been worsening progressively throughout that time and things aren't looking great for a dad at the time of this recording. So just mentioning that because that is some reason why the trainings have been postponed and I will be still doing the one-on-one work. So if anyone wants to book in for a breakthrough session with me, I'm still doing one-on-one from my clinic in Mombolk here, but also online. So if you're wanting to you know, have your own breakthrough and transformation in health or weight loss or confidence or any of those areas, even business as well, feel free to connect with me. My website's currently being updated. So the best way to connect with me would be to email me at info at com or message me on Facebook or Instagram or something like that. Or you can head to my website, which is com. There's a contact page there. It's just that I haven't updated all of, all of the work that I'm doing on there uh, as yet. So yes, you can contact me there if you want to book a session or Reiki or anything like that, or just to talk about if hyp- hypnosis or timeline therapy would be of benefit to you. I'd love to hear from you. But yeah, so dad's my priority at the moment. And that's why I'm not running the trainings that I had planned to run at this point this year. So if I could ask anything of you, it would be to just keep us in your hearts because it's a really hard time for me. And so this podcast, I'm doing my best to keep it going every week, but there's a heaviness in my heart that I'm so glad that I have lots of tools to support me with. But unfortunately, grief grief happens regardless. So there's a lot of grief happening at the moment. So bear with me. Uh, we'll still be here, but <laughs> be a bit flexible about when the episodes arrive into your little ears. I'll do my best to get them out at the same time. But stuff is happening really rapidly and I'm, I'm predictably so um yeah just be patient with us at this time and I hope wherever you are you're all okay and yeah that you enjoy Amanda's episode so I'm very excited to share it with you if you're interested in being multi-passionate running a business from your heart and your soul all of that kind of thing we're talking about lots of great things that I love in this episode and I hope that you enjoy listening. Have a great day. Hello Amanda and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited because we have been and I said this almost every guest all right I am excited by (laughs) I'm a wet Labrador but we've been Facebook friends. I don't know how we even became Facebook friends honestly but I know that we're just in we live in the same area and we move in the same mums of the hills pages and we were both Reiki practitioners in the hills so I'd see you as one and, and I guess you'd notice that I was one as well and 
I always loved your posts and your energy and and then we bumped into each other and I thought, why not? Finally. Yeah, finally, come <laughs> on the show. Yeah, no, all of those things. Um, I think, yeah, the online world's amazing with linking us up to people um, even in times of COVID and things like that and being able to, like you often feel like, like with you, I feel like I know so much about you just from that experience. So I'm, yeah, super excited to be chatting with you as well today because we've got so much, yeah, so many common threads to explore. We do. And I guess for people who don't know you, I've given you a little bit of an introduction, but I wanted you to kind of introduce yourself if that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. So I'm a Reiki master teacher um, and a mentor, and I work predominantly now with um, women entrepreneurs. So I do a mix of the healing, but also the mindset and the inspired action. So I'm a very practical person who's also very into energy. And so, yeah, I kind of bring all that together in my work. Um, I run circles as well. Um, Anything to do with energy and healing is totally my jam. And particularly over the last probably six years, more so in the entrepreneurial space because, yeah, I felt like there was a real need for for women to get out of their own way and believe in themselves and show up and bring their magic to the world. So that's what really lights me up. That is needed. Uh, and when I read this, on I, when I was first looking at your Facebook profile and I saw the women in business mentoring on your on your little blurb about yourself I don't know what they could call that about on the about, the about. section. Yeah. on the about section it is something that like, I know that there are a whole host of kind you know of coaches and mentors out there but people who support that are nurturing and combining that Reiki energy healing that soul spirituality place with business I think that's a really still a really important but not really recognized recognized niche do you know what i mean yeah it's an area that so many women are wanting to find their passion their purpose to follow their dreams but don't have that alignment within themselves to do take those first steps so i'm really excited about the work that you're doing yeah and look it's honestly 10 years ago when i started my business this was not a thing like there was no one doing this kind of work that i was aware of and it's interesting that probably the last two years even a lot of the uh, mainstream business mentors that I've been following over time are bringing this kind of work in. So they are going, you know, they're business strategists or they're business coaches, but they are going off and training in things like Reiki or um, some form of healing because they have witnessed or experienced themselves that you can have the best strategy in the world, but if you've got these sneaky little blocks holding you back that you can't articulate consciously, um, you know, it makes it really hard to move forward and expand, particularly as women who are doing, you know, so often all the things, like we're often juggling many balls at once uh, and it's easy to put ourselves on the back burner and, you know, sabotage our own forward movement for all the, you know, for all the other things that are on our plate. So it's it's been really interesting to watch that, you know, on particularly online um, business space start to change. And I'm excited for that because I think, you know, the combination of strategy and energy work and it just it just takes away so many barriers and just makes us able to just step up and do the things that we're so passionate about. I really do. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think that as a as a woman, you know, as a business as a business owner, that gap as far as that 
I, like, I don't know how to explain it other than that God-shaped hole that women kind of have and we fill with shopping and things. women, pay people, all of humans, you know, most of humanity. We're seeking to consume and fill this little void within us that is undescribable and intangible but feels like it's there all the time, like a dull ache in our, in our chest. That, I feel, is so... It's, it, it has such an impact on our success as a business owner. When you're carrying this thing that you can't fat, you can't comprehend, but it's this big energy in your chest that I think that Reiki is so wonderful and so, and all and, you know, all different all different modalities. Not just saying specifically right, exclusively Reiki, but it is something that just helps make that in that flow that flow in your business where it might be have just been a, looking at it from a very rigid business model that we get taught at school and adding in this softer feminine spiritual spiritual gentle energy from the heart i think that that changes can change just everything well it's about you know really sort of what you're describing when as you were saying that it's it's all about aligning to what's right for you so i think often that sense of disconnect or heaviness is because you know, when you start a business, like I know myself, when I started my business, I had no business training at all. I just knew I had a purpose. I knew I had a passion. I started it. I followed the universal breadcrumbs, as I like to say. And here, you know, I opened, you know, started working in a practice and all that sort of thing. But I really had to then go out and learn, okay, how do I, what is this business caper? How do I market myself? How do I, whatever. And what I found was, I dove straight into listening to all the things that other people were saying and doing things that weren't necessarily aligned with, you know, either my values or either my, you know, my energy, how I like to show up in the world. And it, it kind of took me a, a good few years to go, okay, so how can I, you know, really clear my and align my own energy and really drop into my purpose? And then how can I use that external information that I need to fill those gaps without totally losing myself? in the process, you know, giving your power away to some guru of the business you know, world or whatever, because we want to do it right. We want to be good at what we do. And we want to, we want to show up, we want to do all the things, but I definitely found I was being swayed by things that just weren't aligned with me. So the more I worked on myself, the more I noticed that I would just happen to come along the information that I needed and I would apply that. So it's kind of that I find the energy works in that way too and, and and that's Reiki and energy healing in a nutshell is bringing you back to you, isn't it? Yes, so. returning home. And you've been a practitioner for much longer than me so I feel like a little fledgling, fledgling compared to you but, I mean, what you're saying resonates with me and I'm sure many people listening when they're owning their own business and you do, I have gone down, I have wasted so much money trying to get the thing I'm passionate about to be financially sustainable sustainable, and going and putting on all different people's models of the way they do business that suits them and their personality that's made them very successful and thinking, okay, I'll do the this way is the best way. And then it just doesn't fit with me. It doesn't fit with who I am. And I felt many times just like, oh, my gosh, I've just wasted this money and I've made this mistake. And, I think we've oh all gosh. been there. Like I remember the first course I ever did, it was like $2,500 and we didn't even have the money for that. Like I had two young kids and my kids were like three and five. And the person I did it with was mm, not 
super high in integrity, which is like my number one value. Mm. And I was like that too. I was like, oh, I've just wasted all this money that could have taken us on a family holiday like that, you know, feeling of what have I done? But I did learn, you know, that taught me so much also about how not, how I don't want to show up in my own business, how I don't want to do things. So I do always, always find that even when I have invested in things that haven't worked out as I wanted or hoped, they do still get me onto the path to where I'm going. So I have found that. And also I've found that my business has kind of reinvented itself. So whilst, you know, technically my business will be 11 in June, I feel like I'm at the beginning again, you know, in the past two years because of deciding to work, you know, predominantly with women in business rather than trying to do all the things for all the people. So I think, you know, we are all constantly going through the fledgling phase again and again and growing and learning and evolving and then we start from the scratch again. So I think I I love giving myself permission for that to be the case too because I don't think we ever know, I don't know, I've never felt like I'm at the pinnacle of, of knowledge or experience in my in my business yet. I just feel like I'm still just learning along the way. <laughs> just showing up and hoping hoping it's it's going to be okay you know yeah i think it's just when we think that we're going to reach an end and i think even my clients i'm sure your clients as well that they we all have this idea that it's going to be this yeah. this finite end goal where you've made it and clients will come from like, I'm still having a bad day. And I'm like, I don't make you immortal when you come to see me. You're still going to have a bad day. That I totally relate to that through my Reiki journey. Like I did level one and I'm like, oh, this is great. I feel good. Did my level two like five years later. I was like, oh, great. Now I feel good. And I'm like, oh, when I do my master's, I'm just going to be completely healed. I'm going to know all the shit. Yeah. I'm going to be, you know, like it'll yeah. be. And it was so funny. I remember I had that the weekend deep dive, you know, my apprenticeship was over 12 months. So, you know, I had the weekend that was sort of the pinnacle of the moment. And it was like in the meditation we did, it was like a door opened into a whole nother library. And I'm like, oh, so this isn't the end. It's just another step in the journey. You know, like it's it was a very beautiful lesson, that experience to say, you know, that's where we always are. There's always more to learn. But I think the gift, the, the longer you are a business owner, is recognising that we don't have to continually be seeking for knowledge externally. We get better at discerning what we need. So, you know, now when I invest in a business training, I go, okay, what have I got in place that's working really well and where's the gap? And I will wait and I will watch and I will research or sometimes it'll just fall in my sphere just out of nowhere and I'll be like, oh, that's the thing that's going to support me. Whereas I think early on I was like, I need to know all the things from all the people and everyone else must know more than me. So I think that's been a really cool personal process of of knowing, yeah, giving myself permission to be discerning and to trust that, you know, however many years' experience I've had in an area counts for something. And so I don't need to be validated by other people's expertise on every matter. But there is always areas to grow and learn and stretch. Mm. And, and that's like what you're saying about that as a start and I, and it's still you do compare like we naturally do compare ourselves at times absolutely and i do i i have definitely done that many 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 times many times but as you go along and you're doing all these different professional development courses and trainings and things i remember my reiki teacher being i said to her you know i've got all these different certificates certifications and 
degrees and things and I feel perhaps that I'm not going to be, you know, that, I, that it's, what's the word? I felt perhaps that I was a Jill of all trades, master of none. Yep, yep. And my Reiki teacher was like, but like you've got all these tools now and they're all meant to be there to to help your clients and they're all useful in their own way for the work that you want to do, elevating people and doing this work with people and guiding these people on these journeys. And, and it's only literally been, and I've been, you know, around doing this kind of work for a while now and it's only been this year in the end of last year where it finally I went, huh, it's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> now it's starting to make sense. But it's taken so long. I'm 41. Yeah. No, I'm 41 just too. starting to come oh. together. Are you? I am. Wow. I turned 41 last year. So, Same. yeah. Oh, there you go. So much more in common. So more in common. Um, I'm very similar to you. Like I've done, um, I'm an EFT um, master trainer and I've done, you know, angel card reading training. I've done coach skills training. I've done so many things. And I remember um, sort of thinking the same thing. And what I realized is, yeah, exactly that. that I, I found that Reiki is predominantly the tool that I use in my personal life. And that's the thing that comes through, um, mostly in my work, but I love that I've got this pool of tools that if a particular client needs something that, you know, they don't resonate with something in one way, I can say, Oh, that's okay. Let's look at it from this angle. And I mean, all energy work does the same thing. It's the end goal of clearing the stuff that's in your way. But, you know, remembering that every person has a different way of learning, a different way of experiencing, different, you know, energy, it's it's great to have access to that if you're a multi-passionate person who loves learning, which I am as well. Yes. This is the thing that we wanted to talk about when we were meeting. We wanted to talk about multi-passionate, being multi-passionate, because there is kind of this, I don't know, what's the word? I feel like it can be a bit... Like shiny object syndrome sort of thing. Shiny object syndrome. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like some people are very much of their belief that it's a negative, but I don't think it necessarily is a negative all the time. What are, you, what are your thoughts on it? I think um, for myself, I was very, very devoted to Reiki for a long time and I really wanted to master that energy. And so for me, that's pretty much all I focused on for, you know, a really long time. But then I wanted to, when I felt like I needed to step into the next thing, then I would take on the next thing. But also my, that's my personality. Like I was a premie. So I've done a little bit of research on, um, it's probably going off on a bit of a tangent, but basically, you know, premies come out into the world early. So they want everything to feel really, really, really safe before they do anything. So I did my Reiki one and then five years later, I did my Reiki two. And then seven years later, I did my master training because I wanted to make sure I was really in the thing. Like, so I was kind of the opposite. I wanted to do one thing really well. And I realized that that was, you know, that was me limiting my experiences. So the flip side is, of that is what you're describing is people who do all the certificates and want all the learning. And, you know, I think it's important to look at, well, maybe that's just who you are. That's you love to learn. The, the condition of that is, and once I decided it was time to move on from just Reiki, I, I went through that phase as well. I want to do that. I want to do that. Oh, I want to, you know, explore that. And what I found was it was actually stopping me from standing in my power and doing what I want to do. So it went from being an exploration and something that was nourishing and fulfilling to being a sabotage. 
And I think the key is knowing when you are learning for your growth and learning for, you know, that that depth of experience that you're craving versus when you are doing it because you are sabotaging, you know, honouring and showing up. That's when it becomes shiny object syndrome versus being multi-passionate. Totally. And I think for me, like a couple of episodes ago, I shared my ADHD journey and part of it for me is definitely that. I find a new thing and I hyper-focus and I become obsessed with it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the other part of it, I think for, for my, and I'm definitely guilty, is this, it is that distract, you know, you're, just, you're distracting yourself from actually integrating the things that you should you 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 learn in the previous certificate or degree or whatever it is, you just want to move like like spiritual bypassing, but by like the next shiny thing is a way of just it's 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 like a food addiction or a smoking or anything like that. You're just like the next degree will be the thing that'll be the thing. I get the next high, yeah, the next hit. Yeah. I'm clicking. Sorry, Orange, you're going to hate that. <laughs> He's editing it. But the next thing, you're chasing that next high. And for me, learning is has been something that I definitely have realized after a long time that I love it, but it also is this dopamine high, a rush of excitement about this new subject and then having to grow wiser and realize that I'm using it to avoid integrations to avoid actually things I need and to learn. And stepping into your power as well. You're avoiding really owning that you're enough as you are. Um, and I know that's so common with a lot of women that I work with. And I say women because I predominantly work with women. Obviously, the same would go for men as well. But, yeah, I think it's it's just really powerful to honour. Like you, you've you've had that journey and you've, you've witnessed that within yourself and you've now gone, oh, I don't need to do that. I've got this beautiful breadth of thing and next time like for myself I don't know this is what I've had to do I'm like okay this year for myself I'm focusing very much on what I'm doing in my business and next year I'm giving myself the reward of a training <laughs> so I've literally because I've kind of found myself going down that path in the last sort of couple of years where I want to do all the things again and I'm like yeah but this isn't from the learning perspective this is purely from the wanting to have another thing <laughs> so that's felt really good for me this year to just plant a stake and go, yep, this year I'm not signing up to anything that's going to give me more information. I'm only signing up for things that are going to help me implement and integrate. And that's felt really empowering, actually. And I'm looking forward to whatever I decide to invest in for myself and for my learning because I love that next year. Mm. So, yes. You know, trying to find the the trick, like the mental hack that will let us be okay with being multi-passionate but also honouring that we're, when we're doing ourselves a disservice. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. And I love that and when, and when we talk about food addiction on this podcast and we talk about you know, all these different tools and strategies and things, we talk about lots of different other things but that's one of the things and we, we talk about, you know, don't say you can't have the training, just delaying it. You can have it, just going to do this first. Best. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's true and it's, you know, it's one of the things that I talk a lot about in um, the work that I do as well is talking about, you know, really acknowledging the reality. You know, this is how we feel. This is what we do to ourselves. But instead of um, leaning into judgment and 
feeling bad and thinking, oh, I'm, you know, like in the example we've been talking about, oh, I have shiny object syndrome, I can't commit to one thing. Instead of going down that path, we can just sit with it and be like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this thing's coming up again. And we can really sort of just be with it and then go, okay, so how am I going to do this differently this time? So we're, you know, we're changing that that dynamic of self-criticism that seems so ingrained in so many of us from, our, you know, our culture of having to be perfect, particularly as women. You know, we're supposed to be able to do all the things and, you know, do it willingly and happily and with all the energy in the world when really we're just one person. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know perfect. that you're a mum of three, two, two kids. Two. And, you know, navigating being an entrepreneur because I feel like I always thought that being a businesswoman even though it is wonderful and I love it so much, it's taken me a long time to even spit those words out about myself. <laughs> you are a businesswoman. Yeah. It's been a it's been a long, hard journey to say that in a way that didn't make me cringe or think that I was playing pretend. And a mum, it is it's a whole different thing because when you have a job, a set hour job where you're an employee, even though I did used to take my work home and you often do as an employee as well, I find being an entrepreneur, your work's it's very hard to separate. And I think we spoke about this, that, that you know, you have the kids, you want to be present with them, you have your family, they have all the things to do with running your, you know, your, your personal life, your partner with your partner and with your children, but also have this this other love affair, if you if you love your business with your business, which can be completely like all consuming, which is quite hard to balance. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think the the most challenging thing and the surprising thing that I found is that when I started my business, my kids were three and five, and so I was able to do particular things. I was able to work particular hours. I was able to teach a lot of classes um, because that kind of fitted in with how the family flowed and where they were at. As they got older and hit high school, I've got one in year 11 now, one in year nine, I was, you know, the last, probably when my daughter started high school, actually, I was like, wow, I can't do that right now. Like I, my, their needs have shifted to which my hours have had to shift because the times that they, they need me and the ways they need me to show up is so different. Uh, and I was really surprised because I'm like, nobody told me this. I have had a business plan. I was on track to do the thing <laughs> and now I have to change it because it is clashing with my family. And so that in itself was was really challenging to sit back and go, okay, cool. So this is what's going to happen. As my kids reach each new stage of development, I'm I'm probably going to have to shift my hours and, and how I work. So there was definitely a bit of grief in there for me because I'd worked really hard to build my business up to operate in a particular way. And then I just couldn't anymore. So you know, that that's it's real what you're describing. I mean, even tonight I said, oh, I'm going to record a podcast interview and my daughter was has a friend over and she was there chatting and I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys, you're going to have to take that somewhere else. <laughs> like, you know, the guilt of saying, I'm sorry to shut down your fun, but I have a podcast interview. Like things like this where you have to kind of, and, you know, my kids are great because they know that when I'm out here and, and when I'm doing work, that's kind of my thing for me. And then when I'm up in the house because we've got a studio out here, then that's when I'm with them. So I think um, because they were so young when I started my business, I'm lucky in that we have managed to create some sort of, I guess, boundaries um, with work and home time. 
but it's not always easy to enforce. Like I really try not to work on weekends now, like doing stuff. Um, but I know last weekend, just from what had happened during the week, I found myself on a Saturday morning doing my admin and things like that. And, you know, there is those times where just life just goes, sorry, dude, yeah. the boundaries are, yeah. are yeah. crossing, <laughs> you know. So it is, it's a real challenge. And so many people out there, I'm sure, are listening with the same with the same things where your kids are outside, they want to have fun and you're in your office, especially when you're working from home. Like I think everyone, everyone's been working from home yeah. experiencing it. It is that guilt as a mother. Like tonight, my kids have gone off to do karate classes and they're like, are you coming, mum? Are you coming to watch us do karate? And I said, I've got a podcast interview, so daddy's taking you. And even though they're fine, their dad's going to be fine, it's all going to be great. Yeah. You just have this little, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to make that. I think, I think though, too, I the one thing I've always fallen back on with that because I've had that many times. I mean, when I used to run, I used to pretty much run a Reiki workshop every month over a period of years. So, you know, one month out of three and maybe a Reiki share on the other one. So two weeks out of, yeah, sorry, one Two weeks out of four, you know, I would be taken up on the weekend and so I would miss the netball game or I would miss whatever. But what I found helpful for myself is to remember that, you know, I want my kids to know that, yes, I'm there and, yes, I will come to the games on the other two weeks or I will be present for all the things they need me for. But I am more than just a mum. I have to have my passion and my purpose too or I become one of those empty women who gets to, you know, their kids leaving home and has nothing and I just really didn't want I, I feel like so grateful that I my generation our generation has this choice like my mum didn't really have this choice her mum didn't have this choice like they were literally homemakers and brilliant homemakers as well um, but she you know my mum had a passion to be an interior designer and she didn't fulfill that and I still so sometimes she'll speak of that and I can hear that sadness in her voice. She doesn't resent us, you know, she feels she made that choice herself. But I kind of want my kids to see that if you don't if you don't follow that calling within you and you don't try and find that balance, then yeah, there's a part of yourself that doesn't get doesn't get met and it's really it's a really important part as women. We have to stake the stake in the ground and say, you know, it we deserve that. And you know, like this year, it's been interesting with COVID, my husband working at home, he's um, done more pickups and drop-offs and things like that, because I've always worked around school hours to, to do that. And, you know, not once has he ever said, I feel so bad that I couldn't make that parent-teacher interview today. Like, I've never heard those words come out. But when that happens to me, it's like, oh, I'm the worst mum, because I didn't go to that parent-teacher. Like, I said to him, you know, don't you feel bad? Like, he's like, nah, you're going to be there. Why would I? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like we just carry this weird guilt level that I, I know my husband doesn't carry. Yes, and and <laughs> it's just something that we don't really talk about enough that as mums and then we shame ourselves about the guilt, about all the things we feel, felt guilty of and, and society sh shames us for you know missing those moments because it's, it is, I don't know how it's, still in 2021 a thing after everything that we've been through as a, as a society and culture especially with the pandemic but that we have we have to still 
and I know we're dismantling it and I can see it dismantling and feel that dismantlement, but that it's just taken so long for us to realise that the men kept doing what the men have always done and the women added in every single thing. And my mum will say that's feminism's fault, but... But I think there's many more pieces to that. She's just oversimplifying a very complex thing. I think, um, yeah, the the best example of that was um, my daughter had surgery in December and, um, you know, one parent's allowed to sleep over because of COVID, like at the hospital. And it was just assumed that I would be sleeping over. And my response to her coming out of surgery, I was quite emotional and I was really sort of trying to be strong, but my daughter is very energy sensitive and she's like, mom, you're freaking me out because like, you're freaking, can you please stop? And she's like, I think dad should stay because he, he's not freaked out. <laughs> and I was like, I was kind of relieved because I was like, I've literally, my daughter's 17 in May. I have literally done every overnight hospital stay for anything that has happened, tonsils and all the things for my kids for 16, 17 years. And it was kind of cool to be like, oh, she can have her dad and she'll still feel safe and she'll still feel looked after and I can get myself together for the recovery because I knew I was going to be the primary caregiver when she got home. But, yeah, that feeling of, oh, is that bad? And my mum was like, what do you mean you didn't stay? What do you mean you stayed? It was like horrified that the the dad stayed. So it's just so... It was so interesting when I got home and like was reflecting on it. I was like, this is really interesting. Like, you know, only person that was bothered was me and my mum apparently. <laughs> but my daughter and my husband were like, whatever. Mind you, he did sleep through the entire night and my daughter had to get the nurse to wake him up when they came in to do the checks, which is like why I'm generally the one because I wake up at the drop of a hat. That's um, but that was interesting. <laughs> My husband would probably do this be exactly the same. Uh, but it's interesting how when our kids are sick like that, I know when Iggy's only had one thing that was, oh, he like broke a tooth and something, but one thing, he had croup once and I'd never, when he was a baby, and I'd never, I'd heard of it. I just thought it was a bad cough and I didn't really understand they could just stop breathing, that they could not breathe. And at five in the morning, he just wasn't, it's like 15 months old and he just, was going, you know, and I, I'd never seen it or heard it. I didn't know anything about it. So I just thought he's dying because that's all I could think. And I was so useless, like, and I felt really ashamed after, during and afterwards, because I thought that I'd be the person, you know, the strong person, but I just was so scary and useless to him. I could see that my panic and I couldn't stop my panic. It was making it so much worse. And Ranjit came in and Ranjit's more of an internalizer. And he just held him while I was calling the ambulance. Uh, while I was with him alone, he was getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Because I was going, oh, he can't breathe. You know, I was panicking. And with my eyes looking terrified, obviously, to a little baby, he could see that I was mm. totally gone. <laughs> but my husband yeah. was just holding him yeah. just still, you know, just breathing slowly and calmly and holding him still and just hugging him and just, you know, going probably shh, whatever. And by the time the ambulance came with Ranjit, it was all better. But I I did feel this, oh, my gosh, I almost broke him with my response. I need to actually know how to calm myself. And I guess that's also why I ended up doing more 
spiritual spiritual practices mm. and getting more in control of that emotion and understanding. It is funny though. I think, you know, yeah, we we just sometimes have those moments like and I, I think I love that about my husband and that maybe he does have that, you know, slight like what you're saying about your husband, like that ability to just take a minute and whatever. And that, you know, that I learned, we learned from that, don't we? From witnessing them in that too. So, but yeah, that it's interesting that guilt that flips in that with the stories that we tell ourselves about what that means. Yes. And you were speaking before we pressed record, we were talking a bit about this and I think it's a really good topic, which I didn't actually mean to get to with my little tangential story, but we're talking about as as healers and in, 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 you know healers or as as leaders in a certain wellness space or whatever it is, this notion of perfection or reaching this enlightened space where we're no longer allowed to or perceived to be allowed to or we no longer believe within us that we're allowed to wherever they're restrictions are kind of coming from either the external or internal or both that we're placing on ourselves that we are no longer allowed to be human and and that was a moment of that where I my humanness was very pronounced and and it is a it is something that I think in so many areas of life we make one mistake and then we're erasing a person's whole body of work and we're erasing a person's whole you know, that they're, they've done, they, they do so much. We do so much good, even if we're still human and. Mm. Yeah. And still learning. I mean, I'm so grateful. I had my Reiki master teacher that I did my second level at, all the way through to masters with. I started studying with her probably in about 2003. Um, and I finished my masters in 2012. And then still, um, she still mentored me after that until she retired, which was amazing. But you know, I witnessed her personal challenges and her challenges with her children and her husband and her family. And, you know, she was always very present about, yeah, you know, like this stuff's going to keep happening because this is the human journey. So it's not about trying to be perfect or trying to not injure yourself because, you know, um, if you do spiritual and energy work, there's often this thing of, um, you know, physical ailments have a metaphysical cause and things like that. And as someone who had fibromyalgia, I used to complain completely feel like a failure because I'm like well why haven't I fixed the cause why hasn't it gone away like I've had this since I was 11 you know what I mean like surely if I'm a good healing practitioner I'm I know what I'm doing it should be gone by now and you know I sort of was able to really work through that in the journey with her of of shifting it so on so many levels yes it's still present but I function like I can only imagine where I would be I'd probably be on on drugs to a very high level, I'd probably be um, disabled to a, a, a much more significant degree than I am um, had I not had those skills to work through the energetic and what's underlying and where's this holding and all that, but while still honouring that it's manifest in the physical now and maybe that's my, one of my core lessons, you know, and maybe it will heal. Maybe over time it still will heal, but maybe it won't and that's okay. And that was just, yeah, I mean, had I not had a teacher who modelled that, who modelled moving through the physical and still being deeply spiritual, um, yeah, I, I'm really super grateful for that. I think I would have, it would have been very different 
I would have ended up in a very different place because I definitely went through that phase of I must be a total fraud or I would have fixed myself of all the things. You know, I would be perfect. (laughs) Yes, but there are so many people out there who are in this field where we do as a society and a culture tend to, especially in Western culture, want to poke holes in a person to to prove that they're what to watch them fall from grace yes so true but also the ableist culture is that the narrative is unless you are 100 percent well and healthy you are not enough and for those of us with chronic injuries or disabilities you know we grow up with that thinking we're not quite enough if only we could be fully pain free or if only we could be fully able to do all the things ever then we'll be okay as a contributing member of society you know that narrative runs so deep and it wasn't until I read the book um, um, say hello by Carly Finlay and she talks about her um, journey with her disability with her facial differences and and I'm reading this story and of course my disability is totally invisible and hers is very visible and I'm reading and there were times I was just reading and it could have been as if I, I was telling my own story. It was exact things that had happened to me, exact ways I was feeling because my internal experience didn't match up what society said was correct. Um, and that was only two years ago I think I read that. So that was a really deep layer for me to recognise, wow, so I'm actually enough. Even if I have a disability, I don't have to try and prove to everybody that I am you know, that I'm not. I don't have to try and do all the things that a non-disabled person can do. I can just be myself and do all the things I need to do. I'm, I'm very conscious of my health. I swim twice a week. I eat very healthy. I drink maybe once a week. I'm very, very conscious of looking after my body. Um, and so, you know, for me, I know I'm doing all I can. So whatever's left is okay. And so, and I really love hearing other people's stories, particularly entrepreneurs who also say, yep, I've got um, a chronic pain condition too or I've got, you know, visual impairment or and saying, but yet here we are and we are successful and we are strong and we are reliable, you know, all these these hidden things of, you know, people with disabilities are lazy or, or you know, they're not contributing to society, like all these little undercurrents that feed into, you know, this experience. And, and it's so unconscious most of the time that we don't even realise we're playing that game. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. When I as, I, as I said, I posted my ADHD story and I posted my MS story on here and they're the two, and my food addiction story, all three things that are like a health coach probably shouldn't talk about. <laughs> Coach, you talk about because that's why you're so experienced. <laughs> when you post them, they're the ones that give me absolutely wretched anxiety because I'm sharing these vulnerabilities of myself. And if you, you know, Brene Brown's work's awesome for talking about the, the power of vulnerability and stepping up and saying, Yes, you know, I have ADHD and it's caused all these different challenges in my life, but it's also given me so many profound gifts. And and share. And I know that sharing it. Well, what I you know what I, I always know that someone's gonna write to me and say thank you. I needed to hear that because I'm living with this too, and I've always hated myself for it. And it's great to hear that somebody else out there is just just even if you're not succeeding. But with you living with you know chronic illness on this podcast, there's been so many stories of people with chronic illness, but. You know, my dad's very sick at the moment and I have this, 
you know, this cloud, it's a cloud. I don't say I've cured my multiple sclerosis or cured myself, but I do say I'm living really well. Like I've had no symptoms of no relapses. I've been technically in remission since 2008, but right now I'm vulnerable. I can sense the stress of my dad being super sick and I can see my family all looking at me going, this is going to be tough for you. You know, and I've, I eat super healthy. I take care of myself. I exercise, I meditate, I do self Reiki. I do all the things, but he's I was saying to my husband last night, he's the first love of my life, you know, the greatest, longest love of my life. And I can feel that in my whole being, the heart ache and that, you know, there's, there's different levels of things. You can't just say someone or oh, someone's a raw juice green juice person, they're never going to get sick because trauma, sadness, grief, shame, loss, all of these things, they, they, then we're not just a person in parts that are, oh, once you've done the juice, you're fixed because there's so much going on, sleep, stress, anxiety, all these things, society, social media, there's so many pieces to the health and wellness puzzle. And then when we drop the ball in one area, you know, you know, I, you do, it's just, it's such a, it's an impossible mantle to try and sit atop that we place on ourselves and others. Yeah. And who, who even created this mantle? Like, you know, and that's what I'm passionate about. I think the more we talk about this and the more we talk about, yes, particularly for those of us in the, you know, health and wellness space, the more we talk about the humanness of being spiritual the humanness of living a life and and going on the journey with the highs and the lows the more hopefully we move away from that narrative of trying to be perfect and you know really look at okay this is me this is how I navigate the world how can I how can I create practices that really nourish and honor me so that I can then be more in my center navigate what comes towards instead of instead of trying to find these external yeah, trying to match up to these external. I, I get what I don't you're know, saying. External, yes, criteria. You know what I mean? Like criteria? external expectations. Yeah, expectations. Oh, yeah. External yes. expectations. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so so that we're we're actually creating. Yeah, we're creating a new narrative where we say, as women um, and men, you know, my husband uh, made a change uh, recently too in his business. He decided to um, change companies and work a nine-day fortnight so instead of working five days a week nine to five he has one day a week that's just for him you know he found he was in that that grind of the corporate world and he's like he was exhausted and, he, and his joy was disappearing so you know it's not just us women who are changing this you know for men um you know there's narratives that are really unhealthy as well of being the being the, the strong one you know all of this stuff I mean that's a whole nother topic but you know I think collectively as as human beings with social media and with all the access we have to so many resources, I think we are, we are in a place of changing those stories that were set up by people that aren't us now, you know, we're a different world and it's, we are changing it. I do believe we are. I do believe we are too. And I think underlying all of it is this sense of like, am I valuable? You know, am I valuable as a human, a flawed human? Am I still worthy if I'm, 
if I'm not meeting every mark, ticking every box, nailing all the extracurricular kids' things, nailing the dinners, making it looking amazing, getting our nails <laughs> did, nailing the, nailing the housework. housework. <laughs> You know, it's it's actually impossible and yet we keep striving for this impossible milestone. Yeah, except for when we're not, which is kind of exactly what we're talking about. And I think there's enough of us now, you know, leaning into the discomfort of of not perfect, of showing up as we are, of believing that we are enough and creating an impact that being a whole. Like I just love I just love the idea of, you know, even when I look back at, um, you know, the teaching I've done for Reiki, like all the people that I've worked with over the past 10 years who now have this ability for self-healing, like if I was to die tomorrow, I'd be like, I've left something behind. Like the world's a better place because all those people are now taking their self-care and their self-love into the world. Like, you know, it's it's really giving yourself permission to reflect and and you know, most of us have already left a legacy, whether we have a business or not, we've got, we've given birth to beautiful children, or maybe we've, you know, taken care of others in some way, but we are valuable as we are. It's not, it's not about what we do or or what we achieve, but yeah, I think, I think we just got to keep showing up. Yeah. And the thing is the, what is it called? The, what's that saying forged in the fire? What's the saying? There's something, because like your fibromyalgia and people who I work with and who you work with, we all come thinking I'm this I'm this broken, broken person, you know. I'm this, I'm feeling broken in this specific way, you know. Um, that that person who wrote the Say Hello book with the burns, you know, I'm broken in this way. And Carly, what's her last name? Carly Findlay. Findlay. I've, I haven't ever read her book, but I've obviously seen and heard her on television. You have to read it. She she just speaks to the story of you know, of really of living in an ableist culture. Yes, but I think that the thing is with fibromyalgia and with multiple sclerosis and obesity and all the depression and things that I've lived with as well and that she lives with and that all these people have, oh, my gosh, like there's so many gifts in that. I, I don't want to not have had all of the problems that I've had in my life. Even this problem with my dad, this grief, I know it's leading me somewhere, you know, like those Japanese bowls where they're more beautiful when they're broken and they fill the cracks with gold. I don't know what that's called. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember either, but I I can relate. Like I would not be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for my deep journey to heal myself. Like there was for me, and I don't know that that is the case for everybody, um, but I know for me um, and obviously for you that it has given us um, it has led us to our purpose and it's made us who we are. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine doing life differently. Mm, but I think it also gives you this compassion and understanding and empathy and there's so many beautiful outside of just give, helping us find our purpose in life, but it gives you so many gifts about how to show up in the world as a decent person when you have like a neurological disorder, um, like ADHD or people have been in the show who had cancer, heart disease, all these things, you suddenly see people's vulnerability almost straight away, you know, sometimes straight away and and just feel this heart-to-heart connection. Don't you feel like, oh, mate, I get it. I'm not going to be yeah, angry at you yeah, on the road. Yeah, I've had a hard day before and made some traffic errors. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm all right with it. But I think that it, it, it does help build this level of like, I see you and oneness because you've suffered. Yeah. And a desire to be, to you know, for that kindness. The kindness that we have to offer to ourselves to get to this point, you know, we are then able to expand to others perhaps. And I love before we before you hang up, I love what you're talking about with before we press record again, uh, just when we're looking at bullet points of what to talk about, talking about that women lifting up other women and changing that status quo, as we said, but lifting other women, I think that this is starting more and more. And I am a thousand percent in support of rather than get it's like in comparison and think in scarcity mindset thinking if that person's doing something similar to me then I'm envious of them or worried about them or fearful of them how they're showing up in the world I I love supporting other women and we've had so many beautiful women who do similar things to me on this show because I can't service nine billion people <laughs> I can't service nine no, billion people no and this is the thing and for me because I had a lot of um I have a lot of bullying, a lot of really negative experiences in my sort of school years from women. When I started doing my work, my 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 drive was to never have women feel that 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 hatred and that hurtful behaviour that I experienced at that time. And so many women will say this as well because girls are horrible. <laughs> but um, that was a real driver for me, and so. When I started my business and I go to networking events, and even when I started practicing um, in Upway, I would ring, like, find all the local practitioners and say, "Hey, do you want to catch up for a cuppa?" And you know, really connect. And some some women were really wary, like, "We both do Reiki. Why are you ringing me?" And you know, like, I don't, you know, they didn't ever say that, but a couple of them were like, "No thanks," and others were like, "Yeah, that'd be great," because, like you say, not only can we not service. Um, everybody, but you, how you show up and hold space will be very different to how I do and what the other person. And, you know, we're doing the same modality perhaps and we're doing the same work, you know, even if it, there's many women, particularly where we live, who do a lot of energy work, but there's only one me and there's only one you. And so what I have found that I've had to do over the years is to really notice when I get that comparisonitis and that sort of fear of, oh, you know, the, that's going to come up because, again, we're human and just go, okay, cool, but there's enough for everybody and I am me, they are them. And sometimes it's harder than others because that, that sense of, of fear of maybe they'll be better than me, um, maybe I'm not enough, maybe that maybe someone will go to her and won't come back to, like, all of this stuff. These are thoughts I've had over the past 10 years at various times, 100%, and I don't think it's about not having those feelings because that it's going to happen, but it's about, you know, really looking at that and going, okay, so what do I need to work through here to be able to come back to my personal power? Because that's all it is. It's just teaching us that somewhere we're still not feeling enough because I've been doing this business for 11 years and I've never not had enough clients and there's a lot of people who do what I do. <laughs> yeah, Toxic femininity, I guess you'd call it, you know, of, of women taking other women down. And one of the funniest things I found is that because I so intentionally when I've started my business had that as the foundation of just women just coming and being fully accepted and also acknowledging the elephant in the room of comparisonitis and of judgment and things like that, I have had women say, oh, my gosh, I've never been in a space where I've felt safe to 
you know, just drop in and, and be myself and, and have complete strangers. Like we're talking women maybe come into one of my programs and within a month be like soul sisters and be like, I've never, ever had other women have my back like this. And it's like a completely, and that's heartbreaking on one level because you think, you know, most of the women I work with are between sort of 35 and 50 and you think that's a really long time to have never felt fully supported by other women. But on the other side, they're finally getting that and they will then not only bring this into the environments that they're working with me in, but they will then have that knowledge and that energy to take out into, you know, their experiences in the wider world and be able to create that there. So, again, it's that that feeling of having an impact simply by people experiencing what's not the norm. I mean, you look at all the shows that are on our TV where, where you know, reality tv pits women against women or like it's just a theme so we we grow up and our children grow up watching shows like of teen girls being awful to each other and so is it any wonder that we get into the real world and and that's what we do so i'm definitely um very devoted to to honoring that we have those feelings but changing changing that narrative and you know being in the discomfort of i really want to lift you up but I'm also feeling really triggered because you're doing something that I really want to do. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's that cool moment of just being oh, in that yeah. dual feeling oh, of it's ho- celebrating and triggered. <laughs> I, I've never, yeah, this is never a truer word has been spoken because I completely, re- I completely yeah. relate. I remember there's been a few women on this podcast who were just nailing it. You know, not a few, many, 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 many actually. And they're just nailing it. And I, I, on the one hand, absolutely adore them. Like they're 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 beautiful inside and out. They're doing beautiful work on the planet. They're just great beams of light, and their stories are wonderful. And they've gone through so much, so much adversity, and they've worked so hard. And on the flip of the coin, thought far out. I'm just a piece of dog poo compared to you. <laughs> just should just put myself into the bin and Patna, how cool is it like how much of a relief is it when you when you say that out loud and and then let it go and then you're just in the celebration again of that woman and you know when I think you truly feel like when we feel like that you know it's giving us a gift as well of saying okay what is it that you're not doing where are you wasting your time and energy now you know and not doing what your version of that is so it can be a beautiful wake-up call of saying hey come on stop you know mucking around you you she did it you can do it it's just where you're focusing your time and energy so I think it gives us a little kick up the bum you know to to get back on our own track to use that as inspiration rather than a a comparison piece you know not to inspire to be exactly what they are but what I tend to find is it inspires me to get back on my path and keep doing so I can have that same experience of whatever it is that they've inspired in me. And it's a beautiful reframe because I think that we do we are so often in our society we're taught to, you know, look up at whoever's that hero on the TV screen or on the on the movie or whatever and, and think that's unattainable. I'll just keep playing small. But when we think that's inspirational, I'm going to take a little step in that direction, my version that I'm safe with rather than just giving up under the weight of their success. It, it's such a more empowering way of looking at it. I mean, I love that you said that because I think that it is for many of us, you 
go through your life thinking that person's just amazing. I can never be that. I'm not going to try. I'm going to eat this cookie instead (laughs) (laughs) and drink this wine and smoke this cigarette instead rather than saying like that is what a great model to look up to. You know, what a great woman to admire and model my behavior on if I like that behavior or make my own version of that. It's a really great way of flipping that narrative on its head. Yeah. It's really, it has very much helped me over the years and it's also attracted, you know, some really inspiring women into my circles because, you know, once you shift that energy from self-doubt and comparisonitis and you flip into, you know, acknowledging that and then moving on to the celebration and the that energy of connection and inspiration, then that's when you actually start connecting with those people as peers and it just shifts it shifts everyone's energy because, you know, no one wants to be on a pedestal either. I mean, I hate, I, I, one, one workshop I did once, you know, it was all about you being a guru and your guru-ness. And I'm like, I don't want to be anyone's guru. I just want to, you know, do my work and share it. I want them to be their own guru. Like, please don't try and be me because there's only one me and there's only one you. So I think, you know, the people who we aspire to in that way of wanting to be them, it's not a nice feeling for them either because most likely they're probably just wanting to feel, you know, connected too. So you can see how we just end up tangling everything instead of just saying, hey, love what you do, you know, would you like to connect? Come be on my podcast or I love what you do. Would you like to have a Skype cuppa or, you know, I've got this idea. Would you want to collaborate? Like it just shifts the energy in such a more powerful way and really creates a creates that sisterhood that to me I I used to hate that word because I'm like you know I had not not experienced it in my youth for sure but I think yeah that's what creates that finally and and it allows us to strip down our like to again to return to the kind of that notion of being human because we're all in this wild ride that is human existence together and the more we acknowledge the things that we that connect us and unify us and that nurture us together, then I think that that's when we actually have a chance of, you know, kind of coming back to that space of love as a, as a, what's the word? A collective. So Amanda, I know it's getting late and I don't want to waste any more of your, not waste. I don't want to take up any more of your time. <laughs> that was the wrong word. <laughs> um, <laughs> but where can people work with you and what and what, is, what are you offering now? I know you've spoken a bit about it, but how can they work with you if they want to work with you? What What's your work looking like these days post-2020? Post-pandemic. Post, post um, so I'm running a mastermind. So I work with women on um, energy and inspired action within that. So that's a five-month program. So I'll be running that twice this year. It's like an unprogram because, you know, what I, what I mostly find is that when you get to a certain point in your business, you've been running it for a couple of years, you actually don't need more knowledge. You just need the space to move through your own blocks and be supported in community and get to the next step, do the actual implementing. So it's very much about that with a lot of healing and meditation and action. So that's what I'm super passionate about this year. Um, And, yeah, I work one-to-one with people as well. So taking you through um, the journey of, you know, really reclaiming your energy, mastering your energy so you can go out and do your work, be really confident and passionate um, and stop holding yourself back. Um, so those are sort of the two ways I hope to be running some more um, circles for women practitioners again soon and business owners. I will have to come along. Yes, 
they are the best. It's so lovely to come together in actual physical space with other women. And I kind of would love to be running a retreat sometime in the next 12 months, but we'll see. We'll see where COVID takes us for that. But yeah, people can jump over to my website and feel free to, you know, shoot me an email or a message. I'm always happy to connect with women. Yeah. Who are, who are doing what we're trying to do. And what is your website? So it's www.amandafreeman.com.au. Yeah, .com, .com.au. And also I'm on on the Insta. Okay, perfect. Well, you'll all find the them as well. If you're clicking, if you, <laughs> if you click on the link to the show notes, you'll I'll have all of them listed there for you as well. So it's nice and easy to head to her website or head to her social media and work with Amanda because I look, I've met, a lot of women who have worked with you, not met, and by met I mean online when you think you've met them but you haven't actually met them. Oh, I have not <laughs> met but feel like I've met. <laughs> you I've never met, met lots of women who've worked with you and, and that's one of the reasons why I could tell that, they, that the work that you do aligned with the work that I value and appreciate so much, which is why I was really excited to meet you because your work – is in that you know that heart space getting you know supporting women to do the things that light their souls you know that make them feel alive and i i think that we need more people like you out there doing that work i'm very lucky i've worked with many many beautiful women and over many years and just i'm super grateful for the for that opportunity to to do this work like i say it's it's a privilege we're in, I'm in a generation that's privileged to do that. So I definitely feel very oh, grateful. Well, wonderful chatting with you. And I'm, uh, I look forward to more coffees in the, I don't drink coffee, but. Me neither. Soy chai latte. Tea. tea. A bit of tea. Yeah. Yeah. Purple tea. Rude. No, thank you so much. I really, you know, I've really enjoyed the chat and, and connecting and. Yeah, I really appreciate being able to chat and share and I hope it hope there's some, you know, something that resonates in there for your beautiful listeners. I'm sure there will be. There was so much in there that I resonated with. <laughs> so Me too. <laughs> so thank you for coming on the show. It was wonderful chatting with you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on the show. And please, I've got all the links to find Amanda and follow Amanda in the show notes just click on this link and you'll get to them you can find her at amandafreeman.com.au you can also find her at amanda freeman on instagram and you can find her at amanda freeman healing mentoring and sacred spaces over on facebook and she's definitely worth following and listening to she's just a lovely lovely person so Thank you all again, and I'll see you all next week. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier day.